All right, so the word discipline, <laughs> what comes to mind? Uh-oh, yeah, right? Yeah, that's a good, it's not, I don't know if that's an actual word, but, you know, maybe. Um, but, you know, a lot of times when we think of discipline, we think of, like, punishment, <laughs> you know, like, um, as a kid or whatever. Um, but, but we're talking today, uh, not about that kind of discipline, but the discipline of having control over our lives, or over the things we do, over our time, and like we we tend to hate that word discipline, though, don't we? Is it just me? No, it's not just me. Okay, so we tend to hate that word discipline, and um, and here's why: because discipline is a word that um, it, it means the things that we're supposed to do, you know, and, and fill in the blanks. You know, I mean, here we are at a new year still, right? We can still call it New Year's, and and. Um, New Year's resolutions, we're still, we haven't given up on them yet, have we? It's, what's today's date? The 19th? I think you ha- technically have till the 21st before you can quit. <laughs> but, but, you know, it's all the things we're supposed to do. Eat less bad things. Eat more good things, right? Go to bed earlier so you can get up earlier. Or uh, sit less, exercise more. Watch less TV so you can read more. You know, like um, uh, spend less time on Facebook so you can spend more time face-to-face. And, and, and the list could go on and on and on, all these things that we're supposed to do, right? And so we could talk about disciplines a whole lot and really end up just feeling really cruddy about ourselves, right? Like, man, like I lack all, we realize all these things and uh, we lack in different areas of lo- our life. And, and then um, you come across someone who's super disciplined, right? And you're really annoyed by them. <laughs> so, <coughs> there's a few of you in here, okay? We love you, but we may not like you, okay? I'm just kidding, I'm just kidding. Your mom ever tell you that? So, mine didn't. She's... But, you know, uh, here's the thing about disciplines. Disciplines may start out, uh, they may start out difficult, but a lot of times if you stick with a discipline, it's something you, you learn and you come to enjoy, and then it could even become an obsession, okay? And so uh, I've been playing guitar for most of my life, and uh, one of the things um, I started teaching my 10-year-old, he wanted to play uh, guitar, and so, so I started teaching him, and I've taught several people over the years, and it's like the biggest thing that you can do is stick with it. Practice every day because these first couple months are not going to be fun. It's going to be, you're going to be frustrated. You're going to be annoyed. It, you're actually physically going to hurt your hand and your fingers. It's all going to hurt. And so like stick with it. And, but if you can be disciplined, like it, it, it's going, it's going to become fun. In fact, it's going to become an obsession. Like you're going to, you're going to learn it. You're going to love it. You're going to want to do it every day. Same with running. We have any runners here? I know Mr. Schnabel is going to be in second service, and he's, you know, one of our older, uh, older guys, and he runs every 5 and 6K, 8K in the area, all of them, all, doesn't miss, he might even be running right now, but now, now I'm not a, ru- I'm not a runner, okay, unless, like, there's snacks over there, right, you know, <laughs> you know, go get, go get their snacks, okay, um, <laughs> gotta catch a breather, you know, um, before I can eat them, but but I have the same feeling every time I run. I run 5Ks. Someone talks me in. Usually my wife will talk me into running a 5K every now and then. And I'll run it and do a decent time. But I have the same thought every time I run it. <laughs> I hate this. <laughs> That's my thought. In fact, a lot of people are like, man, if you just get into running, man, it's so awesome. And you just, oh, you know, you'll love it. And, and uh, I'm so relaxed or I can think, I can pray, and, uh, or 
where I can just, you know, um, I feel so refreshed after. But I've never hit that point. My, I only have one thought uh, the whole time I'm running, and that's don't die, don't die, don't die. <laughs> okay? And so I've never, you know, got the over the runner's hump, you know, so to speak. But, but discipline um, is doing what we don't want to do now so we can do what we want to do later. Okay? That, that's true for really almost anything. I mean, whether it's learning guitar or, or, or eating what you should or shouldn't be eating or running and, uh, or getting better in a certain area. So, but discipline is ultimately is the things that we're supposed to do, right? And so today, as we're continuing our series, Jumpstart, okay, this is our New Year series, and, and uh, we're looking at some areas that God, things that God uses to jumpstart our faith, to boost our faith, because God wants you to have a big faith. And, and I'm pretty sure for the most part, you, you want your faith to grow as well. You may not know what to do. You may not know where to start. You may not have the discipline or you may uh, be, uh, have fear. And so we're going to look at five things. It may not be the only five things, okay? We got the, I got these things from a guy named Andy Stanley. And, um, and, uh, but these are things that are often in people's faith stories. As you hear about people's faith, how they came to faith, how God has, has worked in them and through them, these are the things that constantly pop up. And so if you're here last week, we kicked off with the first thing, practical teaching. Like at some point, if you want your faith to grow, the scriptures has to become real to you and it has to become relevant to your actually, actual life. And so if you missed last week's sermon, you can go to cfsforlovers.info and you can catch up with that. But, but people who grow in their faith, they're hearing, they're listening, they're reading, they're studying, they're, 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 they're at a church where, where the Bible is engaged and where uh, it's, it's designed to uh, be, be practical, built around your everyday life. So the teaching's not just about what to know, it's not just how to get smarter, but it's, it's something we do. And so today, today we're going to look at the second thing, and yes, you guessed it, it has to do with discipline. We're looking at private disciplines, Okay. So people talk about their faith journey. Uh, they had a point in their life where they learned and they embraced private disciplines. Sometimes these are called spiritual disciplines, okay? They embraced these things, and, and, and here's what happened in their life. Their faith became real to them. And that's many of you, like you, when you learn to, to embrace some of these disciplines, maybe it was reading the Bible and studying it every day, or maybe it was learning how to pray on your own, or or to meditate on the scriptures, or spending quiet time, or, or fasting, or giving, and, 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 and something about that, your faith became real. It was no longer hypothetical, okay? Uh, your faith became your own. It was no longer mom's, or dad's, or your grandparents, right? Or your spouse's. And, and what happens is your faith will grow bigger, and that's what we want, right? And so, what are some disciplines? You know, there's, uh, you know, listen, some of it could be reading, could be praying, meditating, and, and Christian meditation is a little different than like home, right? Where you're trying to empty yourself, all things. Christian meditation is the opposite. You're trying to fill your mind with God. You're trying to fill your mind with his, his scriptures, and you're meditating. You're focusing on those things while you while you uh, uh, push all the other thoughts out. And so, prayer, fasting. Right? Fasting is, is going without food for a period of time, and it um, doesn't sound fun, right? But, but it's one of those things that God can use, and uh, even giving. <coughs> so some of these private disciplines are, are also, I want to acknowledge this, they're also meant to be done together, okay? 
And that was actually our core in our core 52 this past week, right? And, and we certainly see that the scriptures were meant to be studied and read together, okay? Uh, we certainly see that there's, uh, there's times of prayer uh, where people come together, God's people come together and they pray and um, and that's in the Bible a lot, but there's, there's also time to pray on your own as well. So you get the idea, right? So sometimes these things are multifaceted. And, and so today we're going to look at just a couple private disciplines uh, that Jesus mentions in the Sermon on the Mount. So we're going to be in Matthew 6, 1. If you're a note taker, you're going to go to cfsforlovers.info and uh, fill in some notes there. But Jesus uh, sets this section up with, um, in Matthew 6, 1. He says, be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. So practice your righteousness. You're like, you probably don't hear people talk like that. What are you doing? You're practicing. Practice well, I'm practicing my righteousness, okay? Um, but practice your righteousness. That could be uh, just a, it's what we're calling private disciplines, okay? Like the things we do for God that, that are between us and him, and we want him to, um, to work in our lives, right? And so Jesus warns his followers, do not get caught up in doing these spiritual things just to be seen by other people. Because it's God who's the one who rewards us. It's not, it's not our kudos or acknowledgments or props or whatever we uh, get from other people or, or the pride that comes with that. And so, and so then Jesus teaches on three ways to practice your righteousness, okay, or, or these private disciplines. So the first one is this, okay. First one is, you're not expecting this, but giving, all right. Now, before you freak out, this is not a giving sermon, okay, but we're just following Jesus' trail here that he sets up for us. So Matthew 6, 2-4. He says, when you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets and uh, to be honored by others. Truly, I tell you, they've received their reward in full. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing so that your giving may be in secret. Then your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Okay. That's the first section here, and Jesus is, he, he mentions giving, you know, um, and here's the thing, this private discipline of generosity is connected with people's faith exploding. In fact, some of you can, can testify that, like, like when you decided to start giving or being generous or, or releasing some of the grass on your own finances, you, you, you experience God working in that because there's an act of trust. Go on there. And so when you give, like, like Jesus says, don't, don't do it just, just because you feel like you have to. Don't do it just because people are looking. <laughs> no, when you do it, when you get to the need, you do it in secret. When God sees you, you'll be rewarded. Now, this kind of giving that Jesus is referring to is not um, a tithe. The Bible talks about tithing, and, and that was how God's people were to give a regular percentage giving that God called his people to do in support of the temple and, and, and the priest. And, and this type of giving was above and beyond all that. That was assumed, okay? But this was above and beyond all that. This would have been, this kind of giving was almsgiving. This wasn't the, the, the regular kind of week in, week out giving. Almsgiving was a way of supporting the have-nots, okay? The people that were blessed or had resources, um, they would give money or food to those in need. This was just part of the Jewish culture, the part of their society. And um, it became really easy <clears throat> for it to become about the, the giver because 
they're out on the street and there's someone who's needy and yeah, I got some change. I got a few gold coins right here, so let me pull them out of my pocket. Chinga-linga-linga-linga. Drop it in the bucket, right? And you want to drop, and if you're really good, you got some proper technique there, that wrist flip, you know what I'm saying? You'll hit the, you'll hit the bucket just right, and everybody will hear it, right? <clears throat> but, oh, look at John. Good, good for John. Way to go, John. Or like, did you see Martha? She didn't give that much. Maybe things are a little tight for them, you know? And, and, and people were starting to notice, and it became all about, it became all about the people. And so uh, it, it was becoming a spectacle. People would give to make a spectacle, and everyone knew how generous they were being. And Jesus is saying, you know what? They received their reward right there because <laughs> everyone, they're already getting it right here. But what if we really believed that your heavenly Father who sees your generosity will reward it? What, what if we really believe that? And maybe one of the reasons why we're not more generous is because we don't believe that. And ultimately, check this, not trying to hurt anyone's feelings, but this is a trust thing. This is a faith thing. Like if we trusted fully, uh, if we trusted fully in God, the angst and the anxiety we felt about generosity would go away. It's why this private discipline of giving is a faith issue. Now, look, here's what we all have in common. Whether you, um, whatever faith you belong to, whatever you believe, um, we're all trusting God for what happens after this life, right? Like the day that, the day that you breathe your last death breath, what happens next, okay? You are trusting God with what happens for that. Why? Well, because you don't have a choice, right? Like you don't have a choice, like what happens, and so Everything is out of your hands, and you're trusting God regardless of your belief system, unless you're an atheist, right? But even still, I believe you're still putting it in his hands. And but Jesus teaches, look, from that point, whenever you breathe your last breath, to now, to, to, to right now. Whenever your last breath is, whether tomorrow or in 50 years, that point till now, what we tend to trust is our money. And that's true for you and me and everyone else. We can just acknowledge that. We can agree that that is the thing that people tend to trust. And it's our, it's our ability to control things around us. We tend to like to do that, don't we? But check this. If, if the God who controls your eternity wants you to trust him now, wouldn't it make sense that he would mess with the thing that we trust most now to get us to trust him more now and so god shakes that jesus shakes that up you know for most people money competes uh with our devotion to god more than anything else and that's not that's not wrong right good or bad jesus saying look this is reality so he's shaking things up and 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 um he knows that about us so he wants to teach us to tr trust him more by pushing his people to be gener generous and not worry about getting rewards here on earth but but have our heavenly father will reward us and i know we'll come up with excuses all day i don't have enough money or i need it more than they do or the church doesn't need my money or that person is going to use it unwisely and and um and but jesus is like look i'm not talking about any of that i'm talking about your heart look when we grow in generosity we're saying to god i'm trusting you more than i'm trusting me and that's why it's so emotional for sometimes to have, uh, you know, money talks in church, right? Because, because it is attached to our hearts. 
And Jesus is saying, I want to be central to your life. I want to be the one that you trust. I want to be and not something, not some piece of paper or coins. And I want to be central to your life. And um, it's not the money. It's not the money. But it's, it's your faith, and I want to grow it. And so that, ten, that tension that we feel is one of faith. It's one of trust in Jesus. And so can God take care of me? Can God take care of you? Right? Even if we let go. If we put him first in this area of finances. Okay, so that's the first one is giving. All right, but like I said, there's a bunch of them. We're going to look at three today. The second thing that Jesus mentions here is, is prayer. All right, we all know about prayer. We all try to pray, right? We all, most people wish they could pray more, pray better, have more, in fact, more impactful or meaningful prayers. Here's what Jesus says in um, Matthew 6, 5. He says, and when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites. Man, he's quick to throw shade at these people, right? Hypocrites. Um, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. Okay? So he follows the same motif that he just used about generosity. He applies it to prayer. Now, we get it. There's several types of prayer. There's those on-the-go prayers that we probably all do all the time. Oh, uh, God, help me. God, protect me. God, help them. God, bless bless me. Um, oh, God, what am I doing? You know, I have that prayer all the time, you know, when I'm sometimes doing things in ministry, like, God, what, what am I doing? Um, you know, we have those on-the-go prayers, and the scripture also calls us to, to pray together, right? The church was devoted to prayer, but the prayer that Jesus is talking about here is a dedicated time of prayer. It's this dedicated time of prayer. So, like, just like almsgiving, people would, would take something good, they would suck the life out of it, and uh, then they would, they would stand on the streets and they would say elaborate, loud, boisterous prayers so everyone could hear how, how cool and how holy and righteous that they were, right? They would go in the synagogue on Saturday or, and, and they would stand up and, uh, like, hey, my prayer is going to be longer than your prayer, Right? And so, like, and they would go on, you know, and like, and they would just, they would just want it, did it for a public recognition. Jesus says, look, look, go to your room, close the door, and, and pray. And God who sees you will reward you. What is your most valuable asset? Money? Probably not. Your most valuable asset is probably time. You know that? Because we all wish we had more of it, right? And y'all have a limited amount of it, and there's no way that you can earn more, okay? Can't earn more. It's time. And just what, like we feel like we don't have enough money, right? We feel we don't have enough time. And look, just like God did was with our finances, he also wants us to do with our time. He wants us to take some of that very precious time and dedicate some of it to him. Sit down, slow down. Uh, talk to him, praise him, ask for guidance, seek his will, worship him. And then your father who sees what you do in secret will reward you. Like when we devote a chunk of our time explicitly to, to just God, there will be a reward, okay? You may not be doing it for a reward, but, but this is what Jesus says. You'll, you'll receive a reward. He doesn't tell us exactly what that is. 
But in prayer, we take a chunk of our time, we devote it, and in doing that, we declare our dependence on him. And sometimes that's scary for us, isn't it? But that's what he calls us to, these pri- this private discipline of, of prayer. And Jesus teaches, then he goes and talks about how to pray. Okay, well, that's the Lord's prayer is what's next. We're going to skip that. Actually, you know, the Lord's prayer is kind of a side note here. Um, but for our purpose today, we're going to skip to the third one, the third private discipline that Jesus puts um, those in there. And that's fasting. Fasting. Jesus says, all right, same motif. Listen to how this echoes the the previous two. He says, when you fast, do not look somber like the hypocrites do, for they disfigure their faces to show others they are fasting. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face so that it will not be obvious to others that you are fasting, but only to your father who is unseen and your father who sees what you have done, what, you, what is done in secret, will reward you. Now, fasting is this idea of, of going for a period of time, a day or part of a day or multiple days, um, without food. Okay? That's what fasting literally means. And you can also fast from other things. People do sc- screen fast, technology fast, or fast from other things. Or, um, but the purpose is this is to put that energy, that effort, and that desire towards God. Now, it's not a diet, okay? Some of you people are like, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm going on this diet, but, you know, like, I'm spiritual. But no, no, like, you're on a diet, okay? Um, but we see the same thing happen with giving and with prayer. Like, people would fast, and, and, and this, was, this was something that the religious people of their day would do like two days a week, okay? And, but guess what? They wanted everyone to know about it, okay? They, they would maybe not brush their hair quite as good. They wouldn't wash up, you know? They, they wouldn't anoint their head, you know, wash their face or put oil on them. And they wanted everyone to see and notice, oh, oh they're, they're fasting today. Like, if this were today, here's, here's how we do this. We'd post on Facebook, I am starving. I wish I could eat today. And someone would comment, why? Oh, I'm fasting. You know, like, <laughs> like hashtag, hashtag so hungry. Hashtag fasting. Hashtag. hashtag. <coughs> <laughs> hashtag no Chick-fil-A on Sunday. And, but what is our most basic need? Like, when you look at all the list of, of needs or Maslow's, Maslow's uh, hierarchy of needs, what's number one on the list? Food. Food. We need to breathe. Yeah, that's up there, too. It's pretty high. You know, but food is up there. It's, it's always up towards the top of every list of our needs. Got to have food. Like, we, you will literally physically die if you don't have food, nourishment. Now, in order to physically, literally survive, we need food. And Jesus is saying this. Look, when you fast, you don't do it so everyone can see. You're receiving your reward right here. But you are temporarily giving up one of the most basic human needs for survival. A need, look, a, a, let's be real. A need that our whole being longs for, right? Whole, whole, like we desire food and... and um, imagine if we longed for God 
Imagine if we craved for God like we craved for Chick-fil-A on Sunday, right? Like, imagine if we wanted him uh, as in our life as much as the, the next meal that you're, that you're longing for. Now, I'll be honest with you, I hate fasting. It doesn't sound super spiritual, does it? We'll do it from time to time, you know, um, particularly at big moments in our lives or if there's a, a big decision, you know, we'll fast for a period of time. And, and I hate it, you know. My wife's much better at it. And, uh, and I kind of go into it a little bit grumpy, you know, but I always come out blessed. And, and um, so I'm just real about that. I get it, you know, I understand. And, um, but here, Jesus is talking about these disciplines, okay? Giving is tied with our hearts. It's tied with your heart. Praying, man, it's tied with your most valuable commodity, time. Fasting is, t- is tied with one of our biggest desires, food. And, and there's more spiritual disciplines, okay? There's more of these private disciplines, but what if we trusted God fully? What if we developed these disciplines uh, with daily or at regular intervals in our life, okay? Like what, what, how much would that scream, God, I'm trusting you? How much would God explode your faith, you know, if we, if we came to him with our heart, okay, with our time and with our desires? Now, here's what's going to happen. Our tendency is to resist those things that pull at our heart, our time, or our desires, our tendency is to resist discipline, but when we look at these, they will grow our faith. You know, faith is like a muscle, okay? Faith is like a muscle. It has to work, okay, uh, to develop, to grow, to build. You, 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 you work a muscle, you break it down, you wear it out, and guess what? It gets bigger. It gets stronger. You do that again. You wear it out, and, and it breaks down, and it wears down, it grows, and it gets stronger. And, and faith is the exact same way. The more that we are disciplined and stepping into these things that God calls us to, to do, to seek him with our life, that God's going to continue to, to, to break that muscle down, and he's going to grow it bigger and bigger and bigger. And we constantly need to have our faith stretched and grown. And so, look, discipline, disciplines can be uh, beneficial, right? They always lead to change. And, and let, me just, let me just say this. Even if you have a bad attitude going into it, discipline can still bring about a change in your life. Because we're saying this, God, I trust you with my time, with my wealth, and with my desires. And God will use that. And so, so here's what I want to do. I, I want to challenge you guys, okay, maybe the next 30 days um, to, to give God the first few minutes, first few dollars, okay? And then uh, you, you're not going to be able to do this every day, but maybe one time in this next month, give God the fullness of your desires. Pick a period of time to fast, okay? And um, maybe that's for a half a day, maybe uh, for a full day. And um, try that. And remember practical teaching, what we talked about last week? The scripture is cool, right? But it's, it's really only cool if we do it. And so, and so here's a challenge for us, church, to, to uh, have our, our, our faith grown. If you're someone who, who has never given or never been generous or, or you know, chances are you, you know you're that person. If, if, if your heart is wrapped around your, your finances, then commit to that for 30 days. Uh, give uh, a regular percentage, like uh, generosity. Do that for 30 days. Try it out. Allow God to stretch your faith. If, if, if you are someone who struggles to pray, commit to doing that every day for the next 30 days. And, and uh, like commit a time. Maybe you need to get up 10 minutes earlier. Okay? 
or if you have some kind of crazy job that you have to get up at 2 in the morning anyways, maybe your best time is, is, is after work or during lunch. But commit to a time, a regular, scheduled, intentional time where you're going to say, God, I'm going to give you the most valuable commodity I have. That's my time because I want to know you more. And then fasting. Maybe you can find a day. You know, it's not going to be a day that your family has the big cookout, right? So you can go, oh, man, I wish I could eat that hamburger. <laughs> right? Why? Fasting. <laughs> maybe if you haven't jumped on yet, um, for maybe for you, uh, one of the disciplines is, is jumping into our Core 52 journey, okay? Engaging God's Word every day. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, man, please go grab a book today. Uh, we've, we've given out over 140 of these books already, okay? 140 people that said, I'm going to do this. And, and, um, and every day you're in God's word, whether you're reading uh, uh, several chapters or several verses or you're memorizing a verse. And, and look, that may not seem like a big deal. One, two weeks of that may not seem like it completely transformed your life. But when we can set that discipline for going for weeks and months and, and for the year, that God will continue to grow and stretch your faith. You know what Jesus says at the end of each of these uh, generosity, prayer, and fasting? He says the same exact thing at the end of each one. He says, your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Now, we don't know exactly what that reward is. He doesn't say, okay? But I have a hunch, I think, that it's, it, it's going to be better than any earthly reward, okay? It's going to be better than someone seeing you, acknowledging you. I think the reward that we get is the joy of giving and praying and, yes, even fasting, is that God is using those things to grow your faith. God's using it to make you know him, experience him, and love him more. That's the reward, I think. Your confidence in God will grow as he tends to have lordship over those areas in your life that, that compete with him. And this is what I want for us. This is what I want for me, and it's what I want for you, and I pray that's what you want for you.